0: Gents, it is about that time. It's time for another episode, episode three of the Casuals Only Football Podcast with Mike Speranza, Josh Ace, and myself, Kenny C. Today is Tuesday, November 3rd, and we are ready to roll with some entertaining football talk. What we are discussing today, the NFL trade deadline as it expired today at 4 p.m., preview of the Bucs-Saints Sunday Night Football primetime game coming up week eight. To attack of Tagovailoa fifth-round pick out of Alabama by the Dolphins and how he performed in his NFL debut this past Sunday against the Rams, and finally, NFC West predictions. Let's kick this thing off, and I will take the first topic here as I am very passionate about this. Who should have made a trade at the deadline? The Green Bay Packers, hands down in my opinion, should have made a trade. I'm a diehard cheese head. For those that don't know, I haven't really got to talk about my Packers yet. Ace talked about his Steelers. Mike talked about his Titans. But here we go. It all started with this year's draft. GM Brian Brian Gutenkunst caused Aaron Rodgers to have an unhealthy amount of scotch in his system. Instead of getting some extremely needed help, like a viable weapon for Rodgers outside of Devontae Adams, doesn't go with that. Could have went with defense got in, and gotten a linebacker, did something to help out the run defense after how they got destroyed in the NFC Championship game by Raheem Moyster. But, no, he goes with Jordan Love, a future, quote, future quarterback on this team. Second round comes, I'm thinking, all right, maybe we can – maybe Michael Pittman will fall. He wasn't there at our pick. But maybe Denzel Mims, even Devin Duvernay like the Ravens got – But no, he goes with a running back after we already had one of the most potent one-two punches in the league in Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. He goes with A.J. Dillon out of Boston College. So let's fast forward now to this deadline where still two of the most looming things on the team are the run defense and another weapon for Aaron Rodgers. Now, obviously, this offense, second year in the floor system, Rodgers has done great. They've made excellent strides, and he's made the younger guys around him look better, like Alan Lazard, MVS, etc. cetera. But it would have been a huge boost for a team that's trying to make a run to go actually deep in the playoffs and make it to the Super Bowl again. In getting a guy like Will Fuller, all that talk the whole week about him, or even Kenny Stills, because the Texans seem to be shopping half their damn team away, but no, they don't go with either of them. They sit quiet. They don't make any moves. Look, I get the cap situation. We have $6 million to work with. 2021, there's going to be some big contracts that we need to address. Aaron Jones, Lindsley, Bakhtiari, Kevin King. So the current situation with that, like, that's a 2021 problem. For me, it's, we're in a win-now mode with Aaron Rodgers. This is a guy that's fed the hell up, and to not even go out and get another weapon for him because look, even if you don't address the defense with the trade deadline here and you get another weapon on offense, there's obvious holes in this defense right now and injuries do play a big part. But if you have a potent offense and a a decent defense that can hold its own, you, you are, you're in great shape. Look at the chiefs last year. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, if you're putting up 30-plus points, you have a good chance of winning games. Now, the other option we could have went with is what I said, the run defense. Crazy stat for you, fellas, before I wrap up my, my, my banter here. look In the LaFleur and Patton era, Mike Patton, the D coordinator, the Packers have allowed 1,063 rushing yards in the six total losses of their era, 177.2 per game. That is a problem. Dalvin Cook this past Sunday – Thrashed the defense. 163 yards on the ground, three touchdowns on 30 carries. Absolutely destroyed. You could have drove a dump truck through that defense. You got Kirksley coming back, linebacker Christian Kirksley. We got him for a one-year deal, but he's banged up. Definitely could have used some help at linebacker. Kamal Martin, our fifth-round pick, now has COVID. I wouldn't even have minded Avery Williamson, the, the vet from the Steelers, even though he didn't play last year. I would have, I would have taken him. And you really think that Kingsley Keekley, second-year DN, and Dean Lowry are going to do much for this run defense?
1: Clearly not. That's my take, the Packers are the loser. All right, so I'm just going to review a couple of the trades that were made, and then I'm going to get into the biggest loser of the trade deadline. So, first of all, for Mike's team, Desmond King, the slot corner for the Chargers, went to the Titans in exchange for a six-round pick, possibly a player, um, he's a great slot corners. Titans passing D has been really bad. But with him, Desmond King going there and Dory Jackson, they don't have to put Malcolm Butler in a fast dude, which he's obviously better against the slower physical dudes. Hopefully it will make this Titans passing D improve a lot. Avery Williamson on the Jets got to the Steelers from a winless team to an undefeated team. So great move for him. He posts on Instagram celebrating by a taxi, a uh, really good run defensive linebacker. Not good against the pass, and our our linebackers and the Steelers are terrible against the pass. So hopefully, you know, he's better than Williams. So hopefully they can guard the pass, keep him out of third and long scenarios, get some rotation in so our linebackers aren't tired. Juan Alexander just went to the Saints for a fifth-round pick. 49ers did a good job at clearing up cap space. Hopefully the Saints' defense has been terrible. I think it's a good move. He has missed a bunch of tackles but this defense has to go somewhere because they're getting absolutely destroyed. Um, trade deadline, I'm going to agree with Kenny here. I'm going to go with the Packers. But for me, it's not about the offensive weapons. It's about their run defense. Like all the teams right now, I think the Bucks are Super Bowl favorites right now, but they don't have a weakness in their defense like the Packers do in their run D. I think Rodgers, as good as he is, can get it done with no matter what talent he has. I think you just got to get a linebacker. You got to get a defensive end, something to help this run, because teams teams know they're good against the pass, so they just run it down their throats, and I'm done with that.
2: It both of you came up with some really good points. Ken, I definitely want to talk about the Packers. I got a lot to say about them. Oh, we'll, yeah. I mean, we'll see how this Thursday night game goes. But, yeah, this is, more, this is not really a popular – nobody's really talking about this team right now. But I thought that the Jets did – a good job being sellers. Joe Douglas is starting to get rid of prior GM signings, mainly Le'Veon Bell. Avery Williamson was in the final year of his contract. They were able to get something out of him. McClendon, an older player, were able to get something out of him. Then with Jamal Adams, they they received a whole lot for him. All in all, they got two firsts, a third, and then a couple fifth-round picks for all the trades they've made. That's solid draft capital right there. Um, unfortunately, they got 40 million in dead cap this year due to release and trades from Adams, Bell, Tremaine Johnson, and, and Anunwa. So Douglas is getting rid of guys that were given big money, and in Adams' case, someone who was going to get a lot of money. So he's taking the weight this year with all that dead cap, and he's cutting bait early and honestly right on time. Bell's contract was still going up in the next couple of years. Adams wanted a lot. And like I said before, Williamson, he was in a contract year. But even with that dead cap this year, they're set for $80 million cap space next offseason and all that draft capital that they have. I thought they did a good job just understanding the position they're in and receiving things in return. First things first, I know – Jets Nation will agree with me. Gase has to be fired. But I've liked what has done in his, <laughs> in his early tenure. And Jets fans should be excited with him.
1: All right. So now going on, we have the Saints versus Bucks week nine preview. For this game, I'm gonna go say outright, I'm picking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, they had a pretty, pretty bad game against the New York Giants. But Chris Godwin is gonna be back. Hopefully, Antonio Brown will be on the field. For me, it's the Saints defense that's just been playing absolutely horrendous. I mean, they almost lost to the Bears, and the Bears put up around like 23 points on them. That cannot happen against the Bears. Really terrible offense. Tampa Bay, they have chemistry. This is not the same week one team that came into the season. They are playing great. I think the key for this game is to contain Kamara. He is great in the catch. I don't think he's going to go anywhere in the run this game, but – Bucs have great linebackers, good speed, great instincts. They're very intelligent. So if they're able to contain him, even though Michael Thomas will be back, I think they'll do really good. But, like, in that week one game, Brady made a couple bad throws. He threw a pick six, which was an uncharacteristic throw for Brady. So I think that with the chemistry back and this team rolling, they have a really shot to win by one or two possessions here.
2: Honestly, A, throw that whole week one game away. I don't care about that. It means nothing right now. This is the most anticipated game of the season. Saints, I get it, they won week one, but this is a way different Bucks team. They're on fire right now. I don't care about last night's game. That offense is on fire. I think Brady will pick apart that Saints defense, and specifically their secondary, which concerns me a lot. Even though they have players back, I don't know what's up with Lattimore after having, you know, such a good start to his career. I think both ta- both teams will struggle to run the ball efficiently, but that Bucks game, passing game will have their way with the Saints coverage unit, assuming Godwin will be healthy and you know the big thing, AB is making his debut. Bucks Huge. DBs, oh yeah, Bucks DBs, they're gonna be physical with the Saints receivers. They're going to force Breeze to beat them deep like week one. And the uncertainty of if Emmanuel Sanders who's on the COVID list or Michael Thomas, who's hurt and fighting teammates, we don't know if they're going to play. But even if they do, I don't think the Saints passing game will be able to beat them deep effectively enough to win. So I have the Bucks winning this game and staying on fire. And there's one
0: thing in particular that Mike said there. This is a totally different Bucs team. Completely different team. You can even argue the same for the Saints, not to the magnitude as the Bucs, but this is a team coming into the season. I mean, the Saints had like a top three secondary, and this year just is not it. They They have struggled, honestly. They've, they've, yeah, exactly. They've struggled big time. Too many big plays, busted coverages. I mean, outside of, um, Janoris Jenkins, this unit as a whole has been far too inconsistent. The Saints' pass rush is notably better. Davenport, Hendrickson, Jordan, they've definitely held their own. They've, they've done a real good job. But look at the Saints as a whole. Like, it's obvious Breeze isn't the same guy that we saw last year. And third straight, third straight victory against the Bears this, this past Sunday, that's the third straight victory where they've won by just a three-point margin. One of those other games was against the Chargers when they, when they narrowly won an overtime. And they're, coming, they're on a fourth straight win, so you can't, you can't really look at that and, and think that, oh, well, they're on a four-game winning streak. That, that's, there's, not much, there's not much to that. This is a Saints team that's definitely struggled and has given Saints fans something to bite their nails about. But for me, I'm going to look at two X-Factor players from each side, or an X-Factor player from each side here. With the Saints, it's obviously got to be Kamara. I mean, the things that he's doing for the Saints has been huge. He's on pace to put up the most receptions and receiving yards by back in NFL history. He's got 431 yards on the ground, four touchdowns, 556 yards receiving, three receiving touchdowns. And he's been potent. So that's the thing. He's the X factor for the Saints, but the Bucs defense has been outstanding. So if they shut him down... I'm gonna be I'm eager to see, like Mike said, if Emmanuel Sanders is gonna play, I think he's expected to come off the COVID list. And Michael Thomas, who's obviously been banged up, hopefully he could be back for them. Because if not, then that's that's huge. Because the Saints, looking at their game that they had um, against the Bears this this past Sunday, Alvin Kamara obviously led that 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 receiving core, followed by Jared Cook and Traquan Smith. So, you know, they, they clearly need more options in the passing game. So having Emmanuel and having Michael Thomas is going to be huge. X-Factor for the Bucks: Antonio Brown. Debut game Sunday night in Tampa Bay. What better of a situation could he have? Prime time to show that he's no doubt still got it in him. Toll task for the Saints now that you throw A.B. into the mix. Mike Evans, Scotty Miller, even Gronk to worry about. So that beat-up Saints secondary or that Saints secondary that's not playing like it should – is going to have their work cut out for them. I think it's going to be a close game through and through. But I don't know. I think Brady and the Bucks got this one in the bag this week. And we're going to move on here to the next topic. Tua Tagovailoa had his first NFL start against a pretty good Rams team. They beat up on them 38-17. to 17. You can give Brian Flores the credit for coaching outstanding in this game. But we're going to evaluate how Tua went or how Tua performed.
2: He had, that first play, his first drop back, he had a real welcome to the NFL <laughs> moment. Donald was left one-on-one. He forced two up, and Brockers just smacked him, fumbled on it. I mean, that was a really – I mean, nowadays with these, you know, soft calls from the refs, I'm surprised there wasn't a flag on that. But, yeah, that was the most ultimate welcome to the NFL moment you could have. But overall – I thought he was a little indecisive. He was a tick late on some throws. I thought he went well. He went through his progressions well. Definitely, they definitely had some rhythm and timing issues, but that'll get better as he gets more reps. Unfortunately, the Finn's receivers, they had four drops out of the only 22 pass attempts that Tua had. Three of them were on third down, and they would have all been first downs, extended the drives. They didn't really ask him to do a whole lot. Most of his dropbacks were play action and a lot of boot action and some screens Flashed his accuracy at times, but you know, he also had some snaps that I'm sure he'd like to have back over. I mean, this is a really, this is a super small sample size. He had a lot of easy throws, a lot of defined throws. They ran more than they passed, but they didn't run very efficiently. Only 2.2 yards per carry because of, you know, how the game went. They only have 48 snaps on offense. League average is about 60. This is obviously a good Rams team, They're extremely up and down Rams team. You don't know which one you're going to get each uh, each week. They have talent, and, you know, we know about number 99. You don't you don't want to have too many straight dropbacks against them because, you know, they'll get after you. I think the Dolphins will open the play block more as we move on this season anxious to see when he you know has to start throwing 30 to 35 times a game or when they're trailing in a game you know we just need a little bit more of a sample size I want to see him against pressure and some blitzes more they'll definitely have the big spotlight on him for the rest of the season and surprisingly they're right in the mix for the playoffs
1: yeah so this game kind of other than the Rams problems kind of went how I thought it would be they played really passively, which is good. A Rookie QB, no OTAs, came off a huge injury. It's his first football game in a really long time. A lot of quick passes out of him. And this Rams team, like, it makes sense. They're the fifth best passing defense in the NFL prior to this NFL game that occurred. After that uh, turnover uh, Mike brought up of Aaron Donald just screaming down the middle, best defensive player that I've seen play in the history of the league. Uh, in my lifetime, of course. But he bounced back, looked confident. Man, he didn't, They only ran like 48 plays, like Mike said. They had really good field positioning, to good return games, and just the Rams screwing themselves over at four turnovers and a half. So he, I didn't get to see much, but he made some pretty accurate throws, and this touchdown was right on point. Dude was covered. But, yep, we're going to need a longer sample size I still don't know why he's in over Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's been playing great,
0: though. Yeah, um, that's a good point by Ace. You know, I thought they were going to keep the ball rolling with Fitzmagic. But, you know, granted, you take a quarterback with the the fifth round, I mean, uh, the fifth overall pick, you're going to go to him at some point. I mean, obviously, the Dolphins felt that this was the time. And, you know, obviously, Mike broke down, you know, to his day as a whole because, likewise, I unfortunately didn't get to see the game had Steelers Raven streaming and then I'm watching the Packers streaming or actually they're on TV, but I would have liked to see it, but you know, from a stat standpoint, you, you can't look at that with, with a guy like this. I mean, it's, a, it's his first game. Interesting stat enough though, that, that I happened to, to stumble upon first quarterback to win his start with fewer than a hundred passing yards and just 20 plus attempts since McNabb in ni- 1999. I thought that was just a little cool fun fact, but, Look, they faced a really good defense, and it showed early on. Obviously, like these two guys said, Aaron Donald and Brockers welcomed this man to the league. And Tua, by the way, did say, I actually liked getting hit like that. It, it woke me up, and, you know, it, it felt good to get hit like that because of obviously this man's resume with his injuries. It showed that, you know, Tua can hang in there. And I definitely look forward to seeing how he plays uh, down the stretch and how he's going to do for the Dolphins, because like Mike said, they are in the playoff mix, so you're going to obviously have to have him step up at some point. You can't rely on the other team to play poorly, like Goff with his four turnovers, two picks, two fumbles that pretty much set up easy scores for the Dolphins. Uh, But all in all, I'm eager to see uh, how Tua does, and uh, I like him. You know, he's got a lot of talent, so I'm eager to see how he does down the stretch, but Moving on to our final topic before, here.
2: Before we go on, I just want to give Aaron Donald some love. I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves. I know oh, yeah. every, everybody knows about him, but he doesn't get talked, you know, about enough about how just dominant he – I mean, it's just – I get it. It's a D-tackle. It's not a sexy position. But this man, I've never seen a D-tackle that literally will require quadruple teams sometimes. <laughs> I mean it's ridiculous he gets double teamed like more than anybody else, and he still leads the league in pressures at a D tackle position it's He's an absolute freak he
0: he's got to be like the absolute freak. the best player in the league overall oh yeah from he a is. player's standpoint he's yeah. got unbeatable because I think when you when you
2: compare other positions, it's like who's the best at their position, and it's him and' it's,
0: oh yeah, it's not even close. Easily, and we're going to stay right into this division into the next topic, and that is our NFC West predictions. Obviously, we had that Niners-Seahawks game this past Sunday, which ended up being a Seattle blowout, but uh, I'm going to take the stab here. Look, I know you two fellas are probably going to go with Seattle to take this division, but there's just something about the Cardinals, and even if it comes back to bite me, I'm fine with that, but there's something about the Cardinals that I like. Obviously, they had their bye this past week. But, I mean, keep in mind, prior to the bye, they did beat Seattle. You could say what you want. You know, Adams wasn't there, this and that. But this is a team that stuck it to him, and, and Kyler Murray, like I alluded to in the last episode, stayed composed in all three major drives of the game in that he needed to perform in. And they kept DK Metcalf in check. Two catches, 23 yards. Meanwhile, this past Sunday, burnt the Niners. He had like 161 yards and two touchdowns, completely torched them. So that's definitely something to note. And at the trade deadline, or prior to it, I think it was a couple days ago, they acquired Marcus Golden from the Giants for a 2021 sixth-round pick. I think that's honestly a decent pickup. Ten sacks with the Giants last year led that team. So for a defense that actually ranks 10th in the league, and they've allowed the fifth fewest points per game. They're also fourth in the league for third down. 19 total sacks in the season. That's among the best in the league or up there, top five, top ten, top top ten, excuse me, type of caliber. Hassan Reddick's played great for them. And you throw Golden in there and it gets even better. We all know about Buda Baker. I mean, this guy's playing like an absolute stud this year. Pat Pete, Drake, Kirkpatrick, to name a few more, Byron Murphy, another young guy in there. Their offense, they average 29 points a game, ninth in scoring, and second in yards. Edmonds, he has played great for them throughout the season, even without Kenyon Drake. So I'm just liking what I see by from the Cardinals, and they, I'm eager to see how they play against Seattle in the next matchup, which is a primetime game on November 19th. Their next two games are winnable, the Dolphins and the Bills, two very winnable games. And then they have the Cardinals after that Seattle Sunday night game, then the Rams and the Giants, all very winnable games. And then the Eagles. So this is a team that I honestly see – I could see winning the division. Seattle's got their problems on defense. I know they got Dunlap, which is a pretty nice addition. But all in all, if Russ has to put the team on his back and Metcalf has to put the team on his back towards the end of the season like we saw last year – I don't know how far this team can get. In terms of winning the division, it's definitely possible. I think it's going to come down to the wire between the two of them.
1: So, like Kenny said, I have the Seahawks taking this division. Not necessarily that I think the Cardinals are bad. I just think the Seahawks are better. over just like a brief, brief recap of last game. Russ had four touchdowns in the mid-200s of passing yards. So yes, Richard Sherman was out. But he absolutely did great. DK killed me in fantasy, and I was really pissed off about that. Um, but the injuries to the 49ers, to Garoppolo and Kittle, ultimately have made me put them out of the playoff race completely. I do not see them winning that much for the next games. Obviously, Shaquille Griffin, a really good corner, and Jamal Adams should be back. And also, uh, Seattle's nickel corner will be back as well. When this team is fully healthy, it, this is a different team. This is a top three team in the NFC. Um, Carlos Delma, the signing, don't think he's elite. He's a veteran, but it, it helps. They have absolutely no pass rush. They need it desperately. So I see it as a good trade. But going over the Seahawks' next games, and I excluded division opponents because it's self-obvious, they have the Bills, the Eagles, Giants, the Jets, and the Washington football team. I see him winning all those games – and losing one or two division games, making them at a record of thirteen and three, I have the Cardinals around ten or eleven wins, so not too far off. But I just think Seattle is the better team. And the Rams, even though they're wildly inconsistent, like Mike said, it's fumbling the bag versus the Dolphins, they can fight with that seventh <laughs> seed with the Bears. I don't. Think, I'm not high on the Bears. Their <laughs> offense is terrible.
2: Yeah, I I really don't get. The whole Cardinals hype. I don't like their front seven at all, especially with Chandler Jones. Wow, like
0: shoot me down. Already. I don't. No, <laughs> I mean a lot.
2: A lot. A lot of people have been really high on the Cardinals. Uh, one of your buddies on uh, again that other show. No free outs. He's really <laughs> no high free on, shoutouts. He's really he's really high on the Cardinals too. I I don't I don't see it. I don't I don't really get it. I honestly think the Rams are better. I think the Seahawks and the Rams are both better than the Cardinals, but. I agree. I have the Seahawks winning this division. Yeah, I think they have the best offense in the league right now. They've been firing on all cylinders pretty much all year. Offensive line is not great, but if you compare it to the past 2 to 3 years, you know, it, it's not bad. Yeah, you know, Dwayne Brown, bad. Dwayne Brown is the top 10 left tackle and then rookie right guard, former uh, LSU tiger Damian Lewis. He's been a mauler in the yeah. run game for them. Well, you know, the run game has actually been pretty consistent this year with Carson, you know, but he's got to stay healthy. I think, well, they do have the best offense in their division and the best quarterback. We know that their secondary is banged up, and they've, they've struggled at times this year. Obviously, Adams will help. And I think they, you know, Shaquem, uh, Shaquille Griffin, I don't know which one it is, Shaquille or Shaquille, uh, and, and, then, and then she and then and Dunbar and then yeah the other one and then Quentin Dunbar is good too mm-hmm. so they're not really performing that well but you know they just traded for Dunlap but he's nothing special he's he's not a bad player he's right in the middle he's better than the pass rushers they have now and he's a solid run defender and as a whole they they haven't been terrible against the run other than a couple of rough games you know mm-hmm. Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright been holding it down. They're doing well again this year. But for me, out of all this, the most important thing is, you know, even though their defense is suspect, this team has been the most consistent in that division. And it starts with that MVP quarterback that they have. Even though I think they're too reliant on Russ at times, I think in
0: terms of winning this division, I have them staying at the top. Yeah, and, and just to to give some love to the 49er faithful fans out there, because, I mean, the three of us don't see much with the Niners this year, but got to briefly mention them or talk about them a little bit. I mean, plagued by injuries. No Garoppolo for four to six weeks. Kittle just crushed Mike's fantasy team <laughs> out for probably the rest of the season. That's definitely a big blow. I mean, Moistert out, Coleman out, obviously no Bosa, no Thomas, just a – team that's just plagued by injuries when healthy we all saw their full potential last year so that's just unfortunate on behalf of them and this is a tough division to win anyway
2: honestly call me crazy but Sherman will come back pretty sure D Ford will come back at some point I think running backs will come back exactly most of them back I think I think the Niners are better than the Cardinals too I wow. Really, I, I think they... <laughs> it's not high on the Cardinals. No, Mike, re- just not high. No. I, I think once they get Sherman back, once they get Ford back, that'll help. And I know people are making a big... Oh, they lost Kawan Alexander. He's so overrated. He, like, yeah. leads the league in missed tackles. Since and 2015. The, the, the Niners here. won that trade. They got... Injured few, through
0: week five with his he, he, He's
2: only played... He's only had one season with 16 games. Yeah. So, like, they got... the. Big contract off their hands. I don't know what the Saints are doing. They have like negative seven million in cap space <laughs> next year, and they take on that big contract. They that did need corner. they they did need depth at linebacker for sure. But I think the Niners definitely want and Fred Warner. I don't know if anybody knows all you oh, casual all you football, casuals uh, out there. Fred Warner is a beast. He's an absolute beast, and we'll hear more of his name
1: next couple of years. Yeah. definitely. So, so just to clarify I, I am with Mike here I like the Rams better than the Cardinals I just think the Cardinals have a much Easier schedule um, I'm, just, I'm just not high on their defense I think the Rams have a much better defense I'm just
0: not high on how I'm just not high On how inconsistent The Rams have played They gotta get that together first I just like the way that, that, the, that The Cardinals are in a rhythm I'm not saying these guys are going to win the Super Bowl, and, but I, I do think they're going to give Seattle Some a money. Some people for their have them money. really
2: high. Some people have them like top, <laughs> no, no, you, seven, you, top you can't six. You,
0: you can't go, you know, above the clouds here with them. But I do think they're all in all a solid squad, and I think they could they could potentially win this division. I mean, we'll obviously see in that Sunday night game in a couple of weeks against Seattle what happens. and they have the what the again, too. Pete Carroll makes. Yeah, they got the Niners again. They got the Rams another game. I think a couple games, they actually. They have the
2: Rams twice. They still have yeah. the Rams yet yeah. this year.
0: So, so we're going to see then. We're, we're going to see. It's a true testament, their next stretch, to how the Cardinals are and whether or not Kenny C is a bust with his take here. But. <laughs> if,
2: we're, if we're being honest, though, I, it's Goff that's really holding them back. It is. He, it he'll is. play like a top seven quarterback one game. And then he'll look like – And have four he, turnovers yeah, against the yeah. Dolphins. then he'll look like <laughs> – exactly. Then he'll, he looks like he's a backup in some games. So, and that – between – I don't know, for, quick question. Who you guys think is better, Wentz or Goff? Going back to that.
1: Oh, boy. Uh, I'm right. going to go Goff huh. here. Wentz, Wentz both, is at all – They're he both up the
0: and down. Both up and down. Wentz, listen, I'm not high on Wentz. Like Mike said before, the other show that we can't mention because no free shout-outs, <laughs> <laughs> I went in on Wentz. I mean, the turnover machine that he's been in that, the first drive that they had against the, the Cowboys, the guy scrambles left, scrambles the wrong way, and then instead of throwing the football away, tries to be Superman like he's going to magically get through that get out of that sack, and he fumbles the football. He was terrible in that game. He threw two picks to Trayvon Diggs in the beginning of the second half, throws a perfect dime to Trayvon Diggs right over the shoulder. So I think with Wentz, it's not that I don't like him. I do like Wentz genuinely. And it's not that he's bad. It's just I think he's trying to do too much. Definitely. He has a good defense. Now he has weapons that we see are credible. I mean, Fulgham's been an absolute stud. And Goddard's back. So, and, and, and Ward, so I think they do have good weapons. Once you get Sanders back into the mix, Boston Scott's held it down. They got a decent line. Wentz is just trying to do too much to me. With Goff, I just feel like, like Mike said, he's too wishy-washy. One game he'll show up, the other game he won't. He's just too inconsistent for me. I just think Wentz is trying to do too much. With Wentz, though, I don't,
2: I don't even, it's not even physical because you see he'll make insane throws sometimes. The talent is there. For sure. This, this is a theory of mine. I just think it's mental. Like, after he got hurt, after Foles won the Super Bowl with them, he just is not the same guy. He just makes these, like
0: – And going to the Jags doesn't help your confidence either. Exactly.
2: He he <laughs> just, he just makes these really dumb decisions sometimes. Like, you know, these – talking about, like, Jameis Winston, Baker Mayfield decisions. Yeah. And that's not him. I think just every time you talk about the Eagles, you talk about the Super Bowl team, it's just – Foles, 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 and i think he hears that he's had to live with that and now he's trying to like like you see you yeah. see it in his play he just tries to do everything like Foles didn't do that Foles just executed the system the way it was doug peterson is a good coach and they had a lot they had the best offensive line that year
1: they had defense. a lot of weapons
2: yeah they they were dead depth everywhere that was a really good team clearly you know wentz should look at that and say oh, i got to." some talent around me. I don't need to win all this by myself. Yeah. We're a little
0: off topic, but I mean, a oh, big, no, it's we, a big we,
2: debate. I mean, these QBs have been in the league. I, don't, I forget. Was it the 2017, uh, 16, yeah,
0: seven, 17. Wentz I, Wentz, I believe Wentz that was that MVP caliber year that he had. I think Where it was, was the second his second year. Yeah. His, it was his sophomore year. His, 18, oh, no, seven, right?
2: 17 was his big year. Cause they won the Super Bowl in 17.
0: Yeah. 17. And then just exactly like 16. you said, that crushes your confidence. You ball out like that, and then your backup goes on to be glorified Amazing. and win the bowl for Philly. That's
1: one of the greatest that, that's runs a have ever seen.
0: <laughs> The
1: Philly special. I'll never forget that. I, I just feel like Wentz, he just forces it too much. Goff, like, he's not good under pressure. Like, it showed in the Dolphins game. Like, he panicked. But, like, I think Goff has a better floor than Wentz. But Wentz, when he's playing smart – And I think he has better arm talent, is a better QB at his peak, but Goff is just a little more consistent than him because he doesn't force it as much, but Mm -hmm. he'll miss some throws. Like, they they were going to beat the Niners that game if Cooper Cup didn't drop, like, eight balls, bro. It's frustrating against the Rams because they have so much talent, but they underperform.
0: And, folks, I hope it was entertaining. I hope you guys enjoyed this football talk, the Casuals Football Podcast. We thank you for tuning in for our third episode Definitely looking forward to next week already. Week eight, obviously we got that big Buck Saints game, fellas. Good job today.
1: Peace. See you guys next week.